everyone for coming today. My name is Tommy Hensel, and I'm the director of the Fine and Performing Arts Center here at Moraine Valley. And it's my great pleasure to be welcoming back to campus now for the third time since I've been here. I started in 2008, and we have the months in that spring, and then again in 2011 in April, and now this year in May. Uh, the Mystical Arts of Tibet tour tours every year all around the world. And uh, it's so exciting for us to be able to bring them back again, not just for their performance on Saturday, but of course for the creation of the sand mandala and for the lectures uh, that they are teaching today. Uh, so if you uh, want any information about the other offerings while they're on campus, just talk to me or one of the library staff and they'll be able to help you out. Um, today uh, we're having a lecture on the symbolism of the sand mandala, both uh, a general lecture about mandalas, but also some specific information about the mandala that they are creating for us here in the library. Um, we're honored to have with us as a presenter today, Kentrul Rinpoche uh, from the Mystical Arts of Tibet Tour. Thank you. Like this. 
Sorry, like this one. Yeah? Like this? Yeah. So you can see it's like a building, right? Yeah? And all the so this is from the side. Yeah? So if you have to walk into the mansion of Bodhisattva Lokaswara, you have to go up the stairs and go through this gate and and get into it, right? So this is what you call the four dimensional mandala. And we have this mandala made in the temples in India and in Tibet. Yeah. And normally in, in the temple, this is, do you recognize this photo? Yeah. Yeah, this is Borobudur, yeah, in Indonesia. Yeah. yeah. So, well, the, the expert says that it is built, it's designed in a, in a way of mandala. Yeah. You can see those different layers, yeah. And there's a center over here, right? So this is kind of designed in the shape of mandala. And this is how we display the, the three-dimensional mandala in the temple. Yeah. Here's the three-dimensional mandala, and here are all the offerings and all the surrounding environments. But today I'm going to stick to the two-dimensional mandala. Okay? So right now you can see, as far as it goes, let's say. Um, but there's lots of symbols and lots of colors, right? Yeah. So each symbol and each color, there has a meaning to it. Yeah. There's a meaning behind it. So when the practitioner, when he visualizes the mandala, he's not visualizing just the drawing or just the pattern or just the color, but he is meditating on the meaning which those sim symbols stands for, right? Yeah. So that's how we say extracting the essence. Yeah? So we go into the essence of the spiritual practice by using the mandala as a medium. Yeah? So this stands for the second, second meaning, extracting the essence. Right? So normally in our life, we always know that how important the symbols are. Right? Yeah? Like just take the traffic light. Yeah? It's the green, yellow and red. Right? It's yellow or orange? It's yellow, right? Yeah. So it's not just the light, it's not, not just the color, it's the meaning behind it which makes us observe the temple rules. Yeah? And and we can see the restroom which has the symbol of male and female, right? Yeah, it guides us to the right, the correct restroom, right? Yeah, so our life, our entire life is guided by colors, symbols, yeah. So the mandala is no different from that. Yeah, it's not different. Now what you can see is there's one outer ring, yeah, this one, yeah, and there's one inner ring, and there's the third ring, right, yeah. So the outer ring is what we call the fire ring, fire, yeah, fire ring, yeah. And the second ring is what we call the vajra ring, vajra, you know vajra, what's the vajra, yeah. Vajra, maybe I should show you the Vajra. This is the Vajra. So Vajra in Tibetan tradition stands for its strength, yeah, being indestructible, right? Yeah. So there's a fire ring, and inside the fire ring there's a Vajra ring. Yeah. Which goes right across. And the third ring is what we call the uh, there's 64 petal of lotus. Lotus? Lotus flower? Yeah. yeah? There are 64 petals of lotus flower, uh, flower yeah? 64 in number. So now, 
what's the symbolism, right? The fire symbolizes the the wisdom, the wisdom, yeah, knowing the reality, yeah, the wisdom which understands the reality, right? And it counteracts ignorance, yeah. So just yesterday, as I said in my other lecture, a lot of things we suffer because of ignorance, right? Yeah. And if ignorance is not just about not knowing things. No, but you ignore it, right? Yeah. Less like uh, for a person who is addicted to alcohol, he knows that alcohol harms him, but he still ignores it, right? So ignorance doesn't necessarily mean you are in dark or you are in oblivion, right? You know, but if you still disregard it, it's still ignorance, right? Yeah. But then if you know the reality, and if you internalize that reality within yourself, then you, you will be able to counteract that ignorance, right? So the fire will stands for the ignorance. Yeah? And inside this virtual ring, which is um, supposed to be indestructible, yeah, impenetrable, it stands for compassion. Compassion. Yeah. Compassion. Uh, why should, because compassion, just as knowing the reality, safeguards us against the ill effect of ignorance. Likewise, being compassionate helps us to counteract anger. Yeah? Yeah? Because uh, the anger is only generated with a perception of harming others, right? Yeah? And compassion is a sense of endearment, yeah? You feel close, you feel loved to others, right? So it counteracts uh, anger. And then it was, this is the, uh, what should I say, the Lotus Petal 64, and that stands for the renunciation. Renunciation, right? Renounce something, renounce, yeah? So, normally when you say renunciation, Everyone thinks that to renounce something, to renounce the world, one has to become a monk, right? Yeah? And family member, it's not possible to renounce something, right? Yeah? Well, in a way, it might be true, but then the real renunciation is to see the real value of the things. Yeah? Not to overvalue it. Yeah? Not to overestimate the value of things. Yeah? And what the desire and attachment does to us, they make us overestimate. Yeah? They make us go overboard while we measure up the value of the object, right? So uh, the sense of renunciation makes us take a realistic measure of the object. Yeah? Let's say if you see a car, we will take uh, we will see the real we will go by the real value of the car. We will not overestimate overvalue the importance of the car, right? So, so the fire will, Vajrayin and um, the lotus petal stands for wisdom, uh, reality understanding wisdom, uh, compassion, and renunciation, yeah? And that three contradicts what is said say in the Tibetan Buddhist scripture as the three main poisons, yeah? And three main poison is anger, attachment, desire, and ignorance. Yeah? Because we believe that all of the other emotions flows out of it. Yeah? 
let's say the anger gives rise to hatred, right? Yeah, you, when, when you feel that anger, and you, when you get it faster, yeah, when you dwell on it, when you reinforce it, and it becomes a hatred, right? Yeah, hatred and malice, malice, right? Yeah, all those other probably so the sub, all these are under the category of the anger, yeah, and attachment gives rise to greed. Yeah, jealousy. Yeah, all this kind of flows out of anger, our attachment. Yeah, and the attachment and anger flows out of ignorance. Yeah, so ignorance serves as the root uh, emotion, negative emotion, and anger and and attachment kind of comes kind of uh, two results, two main results, and then there are more. Minor, it's not so minor, but then resultant emotions there, right? So this three sense, so this is very important. So when the, uh, when the practitioner, when he meditates, first he has to kind of armor himself against the effects of anger, attachment, and ignorance. Otherwise, he can't meditate well, right? Yeah. With the effects of anger and attachment and uh, and ignorance, that person his his will mess up his meditation, right? So first. When he meditates on this level, he has to really reinforce himself. Yeah, he has to cultivate a sense of renunciation, he has to cultivate a sense of uh, compassion, and he has to cultivate the understanding of reality. Yeah? So then he is fully prepared to embark on the rest of the, of the journey. Yeah? Okay. So, and here we can see this one. Yeah? On the side, and this is the outer, outer, external environment, like the parks, you know, like the like the park and forest. So this stands for uh, cloud, cloud, yeah. So just as uh, the cloud nourishes uh, the land, makes makes it fertile, yeah. Likewise, the dharma or the, the teaching, you know, nourishes our consciousness, yeah makes us a better person, improves the quality of life. Yeah. So a cloud stands for uh, what what I call uh, for the for the teaching of for the teaching. Yeah. So it can be teaching of Buddha or it, it can be teaching of Christ or any kind of teaching. Yeah. So 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 there are clouds on all the four uh, all the uh, different uh, sides of the mandala. Yeah. And here you can see um, a tree, yeah, it's a tree, yeah, and here's tree, there's four, four trees on each side, eight trees, so that's what we call the wish-fulfilling tree, wish-fulfilling, yeah, so in the Buddhist mythology, there's a lot of stories about a wish-fulfilling tree, yeah, where you pray to a tree and your wish are fulfilled, yeah, so, <laughs> I wish that we have some such trees nowadays, right? Yeah, but then the thing is that uh, it's just symbolic, right? Here, its depiction here is just symbolic. The real meaning is that your wish to have a peaceful, tranquil life is fulfilled if you impart on a path of spirituality. Yeah, so the wishful, uh, wish uh, fulfilling tree stands for that. Yeah? And you can see wish fulfilling trees here. Here, 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 all around here, yeah? Now the next thing is, there are two kind of banners, 
banners, you know? Banners. There's a pole and there's a banner kind of uh, hanging from it, you know? It's kind of fluttering in the wind. So what have you might know, uh, it's still with the Western uh, ancient tradition that when the king go out to war and come back and sort of, uh, what should I say, victorious, yeah? Victorious, then he hands out a special sign, special banner to indicate that he is coming back after after defeating the enemy, right? Yeah. So all those banners stand for one's own personal victory over the negative emotions. Yeah. Negative emotions. Yeah. So yeah, the banners here, 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 here. Okay. I I apologize. This 64 petals, lotus petal, yeah? It's 64, there's a significance behind this number 64. 64 is because in the Tibetan, in the Buddhist tantric system, on the devil level, we believe that there's a 64 knots, 64 chakra, yeah? 64 chakra at the devil level, yeah? So when you do the, um, like, a, like a psychological yoga, you unknot those 64 knots and then your channel will be free for you to move your energy up and down, right? So this 64 lotus panel is just a random, randomly done, yeah? There's a reason behind it because it stands for 64 chakras at a naval level according to the Buddhist tantric system. So I think this is pretty much about the outer environment. Now, this is the inner environment, right? In the environment, so the mandala itself. Uh, so you can see these shapes, yeah, kind of protruding on four four directions. The mandala stands on a cross vajra. Okay, vajra this one and like this one. Yeah, maybe I will have to jump the slides around. So I'm sorry. Yeah, this is the cross vajra. Okay, so this is the foundation of the of the palace, yeah? Because to have a strong building, we need a strong foundation, right? Yeah? Without a stable foundation, then the house itself would be, what you say, can be a little fragile. So this is the cross wire. And what we are seeing from in the picture, from top down, are these parts, yeah? These parts, yeah? Because mandalas rest on top of, rest on the center, yeah? So, like this one, yeah. And you see, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, So, so this is the cross wire. As, as I said, cross wire stands for the wire itself stands for indestructible, yeah. Uh, powerful strength. So when it's cross wire, it's double the strength. Yeah. Double the strength. Yeah, you can see, right? This is wire. Yeah. Wire. Yeah. Now. Now you can see, this is the gate, okay? This Vajra, and on top of the Vajra, there's the gate as the entry to the palace, okay? There's four gates. One, two, three, four, four gates. Now you can see this gate, right? This one, this gate, this gate, yeah, gates. So there are four gates, and the, the, the reason behind the four gates is to symbolize for mindfulness, yeah? For mindfulness. So when the Lord Buddha gave his first teaching, 
he gave the teaching on honorable truths, right? Yeah. But then, at the same time, he also gave the teaching on four mindfulness. Yeah. He didn't say, oh, this is serving, this is the cause of serving, this is the cause to, uh, to remove the suffering, and then there is the freedom from suffering. He just said that. He said one should be mindful about the cause of suffering. Yeah? One, should be mindful, one should be mindful about the suffering. One should be mindful about the cause of suffering. One should be mindful about the, about the path to free oneself from the cause of suffering. One should be mindful about the freedom from the suffering. Right? So he gave the teaching of five for mindfulness in conjunction with the four noble truths. So, so the form of mindfulness is normally referred as the pathway to the path to enlightenment, as a gateway. Sorry, it's the gateway of the path to enlightenment. Yeah. So that's why the four gates they have depicted uh, four gates. Yeah. The mindfulness on body, mindfulness on mind, yeah, uh, uh, mindfulness on consciousness, and mindfulness on Phenomena, yeah, okay. So this four gates depicts the four mindfulness. Now you can see. So since this is the gate, you can see there are eleven layers of being on top of the gate. Yeah. Actually, the mandala itself is a sort of a, what is the fusion between uh, Indian architectural design and the Chinese one. You know, so it's sort of a fusion. Yeah? So in Tibet, you can see the gates of the monastery can be very elaborate. Yeah, there are a lot of designs, a lot of uh, patterns on top of the gate. So this is what we call the eleven-layer uh, gate. Yeah. So the eleven-layer uh, stands for the eleven different paths on the on the uh, eleven different stages on the path to enlightenment. Yeah. So one has to cross pass through eleven different stages of spiritual progress. Till one to reach the ultimate goal, goal of enlightenment. Yeah. So these eleven uh, uh, layers uh, stands for um, eleven parts. Parts. Yeah. And on top of that, you can see there's a wheel in the middle and a male deer and female deer. Yeah. So in all the Buddhist uh, Tibetan Buddhist monasteries, on top of the main uh, prayer hall, you can see a male. There's a, a wheel in the middle. And there's one, there's two deer uh, kind of sitting on either side and looking very attentively to the view. Yeah? The symbolism behind it is that view stands for the teaching of Lord Buddha. Yeah? So when he gave historically, according to historical accounts, he gave three different teachings. Yeah? And each, on each occasion, it's referred to as he termed the view of Dharma. Yeah? Means he set in motion. Yeah? He set in motion his teaching. Yeah. So turn the wheel means not literally. Yeah. It's not that Lord Buddha was sitting there turning the wheels, right? <laughs> yeah. It means that he was there teaching. So he set in motion his teaching, right? So, so the wheel of Dharma stands for the teaching of Lord Buddha, and the male deer and female deer stands for. Well, there's few ways of explaining it. One is the male and female energy. Yeah. Or the method and the compassion, or wisdom and compassion. Yeah? But then, according to some historical accounts, it said that when Lord Buddha gave his first teaching to his first five disciples, uh, he gave a teaching in a forest. Yeah? And there was two male and female deer who came and just sat along with the disciples and listened to Lord Buddha's teaching. So either way, 
Uh, it uh, refers to the teaching of Lord Buddha. Yeah. Okay, so now, you can see here, yeah. these are the, the, the exterior design and interior design of the main building. Yeah. So you can see this half lotus, half lotus here, right? Half lotus here, half lotus here. So in Asian uh, architectural design, we have that what we call the parapet. Parapet, right? Uh, it serves to not to, to save people from falling off the ledge. Yeah. So there's a half kind of this this much raised wall on top of the hair, so people don't kind of lean too much forward and fell over, right? So let's see. Okay, it's here. Yeah. The top one, right? So this is the parapet. And the reason why um, it is, uh, you can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's eight on each side, and there is a total of 16. And eight, eight, well, there's two ways of explaining it. One is the eight noble path, eight noble path, yeah, which is the, the quote uh, laid down by the Lord Buddha how a person should live his life, yeah, yeah, right understanding. You know Ed Nobel Path, right? Yeah? Right understanding, right view, uh, right uh, speech, right uh, livelihood, right? Yeah? So this is the Ed Nobel Path. And, but then, according to the Tibetan Chantra system, um, at the level of the throat, yeah, there are 16 chakras. 16. Yeah? So eight and eight is 16, right? Yeah? So this symbolizes the 16, uh, 16 chakras. So each Eight lotus petals stand for uh, sixteen lotus petals. Each side stands for the six, uh, uh, sixteen uh, chakras at the third level, which one has to unknot for for that energy to flow freely up and down. So never ends throat, right? Okay, now what's next? Ah. Okay, now here you can see a very strange a face of a very strange looking animal. So uh, in the uh, mythology, it is depicted as someone, someone of course, between um, kind of a seal and alligator and human, you know, something across between this. And normally, you can find this very prominently displayed in the in the Buddhist monasteries, and it's kind of quite scary, you know, especially if it's displayed in the dark. Yeah, <laughs> it used to scare us a lot when we when we were young. And, and actually, its uh, purpose is, is to scare. You know? What happens that, according to the mythology, there was a story about how a person he was bad mouthing all the other person. He was he was bad mouthing all. He was just speaking so ill of other persons. And then his death life, he was born into a very strange looking animal. Yeah, yeah. So this is to make us observe, be careful about what we speak about our conduct. Yeah, to remind us that our conduct can have a bad <laughs> consequences in this life. Yeah. yeah. So this stands for, um, so this is Sampa or something, it's called Sampa. I think it's just a mythology, you know, because uh, just like the Loch Ness monster, yeah? <laughs> I mentioned there's a few others, right? Bigfoot, is it? Yeah. 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 Bigfoot. Bigfoot. And what was the other one? What the one's like a dog. Uh, the chupacabra. Chico, chico Usually, the name Chihuahua comes from a man. Yeah. <laughs> and Chihuahua is not that scary, right? Yeah. 
Okay, anyway. Yeah, so this is the uh, so this is the uh, the pyramid and these white dots with the blue in between is just uh, like a we have on top of the wall for for the ventilation. Yeah, ventilation. So this is a sort of a small pillar and there's a uh, no 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 so, so. this is something which kind of hangs from outside of the wall. Let me see. Yeah. This one? Yeah. This is right. Yeah. It's sort of a, sort of a, what you say, um, a long line of fabric that, that we used to hang outside of the house, and when it flutters in the wind, it kind of, kind of picks up the roof of the house. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's the second. No. Okay. And these are the what what you call the conolics. Conolics. Condolence, yeah? Condolence, is it? Sorry? Yeah, condolence, yeah. So this, the black in between are empty. So this is primarily a sort of a purpose of ventilation. Yeah. You can see it here, right? Yeah, here. Uh, yeah, maybe it is one inside. Yeah. So it's somewhere around here. And Okay, now here are the beams, you know the beams, the beams, right? Yeah, and this is the, what should you say, corridor, corridor, yeah, like this one, corridor, yeah, to move around, yeah, the corridor. So, and even though it's kind of shown in a very kind of a spread out fashion, right? But then some of the things are outside or some of the things are inside, yeah. So these corridors are empty and all these are, Offense. So there are what is the board? Uh, there are what is the vortices uh, lined up in the corridor by holding uh, offense in their hand. And sorry, I can... yeah, like uh, yeah, one one book goddess is holding the passport symbols or symbols symbols symbols. symbols. Symbols is for the uh, offering of the ear, and like a mirror for the eyes, yeah, and incense for the nose, food for the taste, and hold for the for the physical sensation, right? Mm -hmm. So that's offering for the all whole five uh, uh, sensory uh, sensory consciousness. So they are lined up. So each different these are different offerings, yeah. So because due to the uh, lack of space, they can't create the the figure of the goddesses, but then they have created the the offerings. Yeah. 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 Now, this is the inner wall. Yeah, like this one. Yeah, like this one. The inner wall. The inner wall comes in five different shapes. You can see blue, green, uh, red, uh, yellow, and white. Yeah. So this stands for uh, five powers. Five powers. Yeah which is uh, indispensable if we have to uh, follow on a path of uh, spirituality. Yeah? So what's the five power? Yeah? Five forms or five powers? The first one is the faith. Yeah? Before you empower anything, you have the faith, right? That what you're doing right now is going to deliver some result, right? Without having faith in what you're doing, then there's no point doing it. Yeah? It's not just for spiritual uh, exercise, it's for, for the, every other uh, works we do in our life. Yeah? We have faith in what we are doing, right? And the, the second one is the perseverance. 
Persever? Yeah. Persever. So we have to sell, yeah, sorry? Perseverance. Yeah. Perseverance, sorry, yeah. Perseverance, yeah. So we have to preserve, we have really have to put that effort. Yeah. Just having the faith, sorry, now we have to put in the hard work, right? And third one is the mindfulness, yeah. We have to really pay attention in what we are doing. And if we really pay attention, then that will be very, our heart, our, our mindset will be very concentrative, and that will be a result. And the last one is the wisdom, yeah. Just the attention is not enough. We have to use the wisdom and intelligence to make things work, right? So these five walls stand for the five poles, yeah? Okay. Now, now you can see the inner wall is uh, divided into uh, four different, uh, inner ground is divided up between four uh, squares, yeah? Blue here, yellow here, white here, and green here, right? And uh, the red one, red is here. That is the center. So, this stands for, actually there's two uh, meaning to it. The one is, um, is the method employed by, by the Buddhist Adhuvas to serve the sentient beings. Yeah? Buddhist Adhuva is what we believe is someone who has promised to help others, right? So, the methods, methods they employ to help others. Yeah. So the first one is the pacification, yeah, or compassion, yeah, doing good work, yeah, uh, compassion, being compassionate. The second one is enrichment, yeah. So like passing our wealth, those who lack it, yeah, to the for what you say, who lives in poverty, yeah, those who are destitute. Yeah. You can't tell people to meditate on endless stomach, right? Yeah. You can't tell people to stick to spiritual life on endless stomach. First they have priority is to survive, is to live. So one has feet and look up at their basic needs, only then they can we can expect them to, to do something spiritual about their life, right? And the third one is the power. Yeah. So one can if one's intention is good, then one can utilize the power in a good way, right? And the fourth one is the gratefulness, yeah, showing a bit of a semblance of anger. Yeah. But with good heart. Yeah. Anger but with good, good heart, right? Like a mom scolding the son or daughter, yeah? Parents are scolding the kids or teachers scolding the students, yeah? So these four methods are employed by are employed by uh, our local Shivara in his service to the senior being, yeah? But then the other level, these four different uh, colors symbolize for four different elements, elements, so right now, uh, the blue one stands for water, yeah, and the yellow earth, um, white air, uh, green, uh, or white space, green mint, and um, red in the middle, fire, yeah. So these five elements, yeah. So when we say uh, that, as I said yesterday, our whole physical our metal is made up of five different elements, yeah. Like the earth element is our body, right? The solidity. The wind element is the breathing. The water element is our, our blood, yeah. And the space, you know, without space, how can we exist? Yeah, we live in space, right? So, since our basic composition is made up of five different elements, so as a so Buddhist view is that all the sentient beings can one day gain full enlightenment. One day can become a Buddha. 
not historical Buddha. Historical Buddha is an individual person, right? We can't become, become him. But we have our own resulting Buddha. Because we believe that all the negative emotions we face is, can be eliminated by seeing the reality. Because those negative emotions are not inside the core of our consciousness. You know, the core of consciousness is clean, is pristine. A normal a metaphor that's given is that even the most dirtiest of water and the most cleanest Christian of water, the both of their formula is H2O, right? Yeah? The most the filthiest of water is the basic formula is H2O. And most pristine or most cleanest of water is also H2O, right? So in the basic, in the core of both of these, there's no contamination. Yeah? So all the negative emotions are just temporary in nature. So once we can gain enough insight, we can remove those negative emotions and we can gain the full enlightenment. That's the belief of the Buddhism. Yeah? So, so once we gain the enlightenment, we purify the whole five elements of ourselves. Yeah? So this is how it is shown. Yeah? So inside now you can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight lotus petals. Yeah? So it's believed that eight lotus petal lies at it has eight knots at heart, heart level. Yeah? The chakras at heart level. Yeah? So that's why it symbolizes as, uh, as eight. That's why the number is eight, right? So 64, uh, 16, and eight. Yeah? So it all stands for the different chakras. Yeah? So Mahayana is very psychophysiology thing. Psychophysiology, you know, it kind of a lot of symbolism which refers to psychology and some of the symbolism refers to the physiology. Yeah. And then that eight knot is in different color. It's not the same color. You know? On the fourth four sides of that, on four the north on the fourth four direction are red. The two here are, are yellow and one is blue and one is green. Yeah? So the knot itself, each knot just there's a Different color suite. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And now this is the center deity. Yeah. Center deity. This is the goddess Avalokiteshvara. And these are the surrounding deities, right? Surrounding deities. And each deity, right, when they have enough time, and there's enough time, they uh, draw the full figure of the deities, the surrounding deities. But once they don't have it, then they just go by the symbolism, the the hand, uh, the implements that those deity holds, yeah. So there's Vajra, there's a, a sword, there's a, 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 a wheel of karma, and there's a wish fulfilling gem, right? So when it comes to the uh, Buddha, different deities, so this is a Thara, a Thara, a goddess of Thara, goddess of, uh, it's white Thara, so it's a goddess of long life, yeah. So when we say the goddess is it's not like we are just pointing out a regular person. Tara is the imp, uh, is the personification of certain energy. So we have put it there. So in order to, for us to connect it on a far intense manner, they have put a, they have put it in a human figure. Likewise, like during the Second World War, when they want to recruit uh, people for uh, soldiers, we have that Uncle Sam as the one with the round head and flowing beard, right? Yeah? And it kind of points, uh, have you joined, right? Yeah? So for them, the sense of patriotism, 
sense of nationalism is symbolized in that figure of understand, right? Yeah? Same goes with the flag. Yeah? Our love for our nation, yeah? our love for our country is symbolized by that fabric, by that stars and stripes, right? Yeah? So if we can, so in order for us to bring a strong connection, that's why they have personified the energies, different aspects of the energies of Buddha into different figures. So this is the energy of the long life of Bodhisattva. So when we do go to the mandala of Bodhisattva, we uh, put Goddess Vaitara in the center. This is the Manjushri, the Buddha of Wisdom. He, uh, he is the collective, uh, uh, what should I say, personification of the wisdom aspect of all the Buddhas. And he is the Buddha of Compassion, right? And he is the Vajrabani, the Buddha of Power. Yeah, looks very restful. Okay. Okay, so now these are the five different Buddhas. You know? The one that holds the different hand implements. In the Mandala uh, they, they have not depicted the Buddha is full form, they have just shown the hand implements. But in reality, these are the five different Buddhas. And five different Buddhas are the purified aspects of different uh, constituents, you know, are different constituents. Yeah. It's just different aspects, otherwise uh, it's just in one in reality. Yeah. So because of different aspects. Like one person can be a good husband, good father, good brother, yeah, so like that way. Mm -hmm. So this is the Buddha of uh Veruchana, Veruchana Buddha, okay. So this Veruchana, uh this Buddha is um So it's white in color. So and uh, so let's just go to the size. And this is Akshobaya, Ajahn Buddha, Dandan Sampal, Amitabha, Amogasiddhi. So these are the different names, you know. Different names. Vairuchana means illuminating. And Tantra, it also shows a concert, right? And so Vaitara is concert. And when it was in Bodhisattva place, uh, it was Samantha Bhadra, Akshapaya, Unshakeable, Tanasabha, Jewel Brown, Amitabha, Incident Light, Amogasi, the Conqueror. Um, and the, the important thing is, as we progress along the path, we lessen the, we reduce the effect of the negative emotions, right? So once we gain full enlightenment, Vairachana is, is the, um, what you say is the aspect of Buddha which has gained freedom from the ignorance and delusion. Yeah? And that ignorance and delusion is counteracted by all encompassing Tamatadu wisdom. Tamatadu means the wisdom realized the reality. Tamatadu means reality. Yeah? So, as we said earlier, the wisdom which understands the reality counteracts ignorance, right? Yeah? And Akshobhaya is the Buddha which is the aspect of a freedom gained from anger and hatred is like mirror-like wisdom, right? So, you can see the things as they are. Mirror reflects the things as they are, right? When we get angry, we undervalue the object, right? We distort, uh, we, we distort the object. So, it's what reflects in our view is not the reality, right? So, when it's mirror-like wisdom means it, should, it reflects the true uh, state. And Ragnasambha 
is a, a Buddha gain from the uh, aspect of uh, freedom from pride and business and wisdom of equality. So when we feel pride, we don't feel equal, right? We feel superior to others, right? Yeah? Pride is always facing oneself is superior, that one is other one is more inferior to others. So wisdom equality. And Amitabha desire lust and discriminating wisdom. So discriminating what? Discriminating things as they are. Yeah? Discriminate to one's own in inflated view from the real view. Right? And Amogasiti, jealousy, fear, is all accomplishing wisdom. If you have fear, then you can't accomplish anything. You are bound by the fear, right? You can't move forward. Yeah? So, so these are different deities and different uh, negative emotions that it's free from and how those negative emotions have been counteracted by using those different five different and then each uh, five deities have their own uh, different aspects spiritual space, among the sense side, energy, among the organ heart so they have their own different uh, advocates yeah. and these are the mantras yeah, so that's yeah, thank you. So thank you. Um, we have some time for questions. If anybody has a question, uh, wait for me to get the microphone to you so we can catch it. But um, would anybody like to ask questions um, of Rinpoche about the symbolism of the mandala? Yes. I just. Oh. Yeah. Um, I just wanted him to review very quickly the significance of the colors. You flew through the five colors, and you could go uh, more slowly. Yes. Uh, okay. What they symbolize. Okay. So you know, as I said, uh, because we are composed of five different elements, you know. Yeah. So when we gain enlightenment, we purify the five different um, elements that we, we possess. Yeah. And each Buddha is uh, an aspect of one particular element which has been purified, right? So Veru China is the purified aspect of the space, so it's white. Ajubaya is purified aspect of the water element. And Ramatama is purified aspect of the uh, earth element. Yeah. And Amitabha is purified uh, aspect of the fire or heat element. And Amogasiri is purified aspect of the uh, wind. Yeah, so... So actually, I do have one quick question myself. Is can you spend just a couple of minutes to tell us about the mandala that they're creating here? Uh, the mandala that we are creating here is uh, a little bit different from the one that I based my, what should I say, narrative. Yeah, it's, I based my narrative on the Buddha of Compassion mandala, but what they are creating over there is the uh, Medicine Buddha mandala. And Medicine Buddha mandala is, well, as you know, um, each mandala has a different uh, purpose behind it, right? So. Uh, for the Buddha of compassion is to emit the effects of compassion, yeah, to pass on the energy of compassion, right? But for the medicine Buddha is mainly about to pass on the effect of uh, healing, yeah. So because we believe the medicine Buddha has made, uh, because we believe that even though all the Buddhas are equal in their effectiveness or equal in the power, but they each have their sort of specialty, right? They specialize in certain fields. So medicine Buddha specialize in in healing. Yeah, and that healing is not just about physical, but mental and those healings. Yeah. So what you can see over there, there's Medicine Buddha in the center, and there's and all the surrounding deities are the part of the Medicine Buddha family. Yeah. So other questions? Yes. Uh, 
So when you say you show the passion Mandela there, and this one is um, the medicine Mandela, how many different kinds would you say? Uh, well, there's multiple uh, mandalas. <laughs> yeah, multiple. But the important thing is that the center of the mandala differ from day to day, but the outer perimeter will kind of remain the same. Yeah? But then if you go to the most highest level tantra, like Kala Chakra and those things, then the mandala, the outside, everything will change. There will be a sort of a dramatic yeah, a change from the mandala that we have just witnessed. Yeah. Thank you. These are created from memory? Uh, what happens is that all the instructions are based, uh, are, are contained in the scriptures, yeah? But then it's all, uh, uh, all those instructions are in a very quoted manner, yeah? So they have to, to decipher that quote and memorize those quotes and then, yeah. So everything comes from their mind, yeah. So we have a question here. Okay, one of the things that the rings counteract, you mentioned, is attachment. And since yesterday, I was amazed by the fact that you all dismantled something so beautiful at the end. And is it because of the uh, desire to not become attached yeah. to something earthly and beautiful that causes you all to do that to you? Yeah, uh, people ask me, <laughs> why do why we dismantle that thing after putting so much hard effort? Yeah, I just jokingly tell them that we want to be back next year, so, yeah. <laughs> so we want, don't want to leave anything permanent behind. So, so. <laughs> I'm just kidding, yeah. So, uh, so what happens is, as you said, you know, uh, the real, the belief behind it, the principle of destroying something is that, uh, that one shouldn't be too attached, yeah, that nothing is permanent, uh, however, uh, appealing, beautiful, pretty in my room, but the one day it has to end, right? So, so it's no, Mandala is just their sort of met metaphor, you know. It's more about inner reflection on oneself. Yeah. Let me grab my two. So, in light of that, would you say then that these, these monks that are doing this, that it's a meditative process? Uh, definitely, man. Uh, actually, the Mandala, uh, Mandala itself serves a great meditative uh, object for meditation because it's very intricate, very vivid. So it demands a lot of focus from you. So once you can grasp it, yeah, it's a very ideal uh, meditative uh, uh, object. And for the monks, uh, they have to maintain not only mental discipline but also uh, physical discipline. Then you can see uh, how they're close to the mother and where they control their, their breath. You know. So. Uh, so the art of uh, building the mandala itself is a kind of meditative process in, in its own right. Yeah. And we have time for one more question. Uh, is it is building a mandala always a public process? Uh, no. Uh, actually, mandala is you know, one of the uh, profound purpose of building mandala is to introduce the, the person to the deity. Yeah? Yeah, so once when we work, receive the empowerment or certain uh, spiritual uh, process, they have to build a mandala so that we will be led through the realm of that deity for us to evolve on the practice of that deity. So the real reason is to introduce someone to the practice of that deity. So I want to say another thank you to Kentral Rinpoche for his talk today. So thank you so much for coming out.
will be around for the next several days, so if you have a question, I'm sure we'd be happy to answer it. Thank you so much. Thank you.